John chapter 6, verse 28 to 29. John 6, 28 and 29. Bye-bye. 
tested yet. I have done what I have never done before, and that is to get on the websites and to see who might be looking for a pastoral ministries prof, a homiletics professor, and one of the seminaries, and maybe this was the time in which I would transition into that kind of uh, full-time academic work. She quickly said, uh, I don't think God's in that. And I said, well, there's a couple of opportunities that are out there. And when I go to the Evangelical Homiletics Society held in California that you're going with me, I said, don't be surprised if we don't find ourselves in circumstances as such that all of a sudden they, they might ask, and so, you know, you might kind of begin to think about what it would mean to transition and to, to live in another city and to, uh, you know, minister to the, um, to the, to the, to the women who are there in, in terms of the ministry that she, she loves. And, and she said, oh, well, I, I hear you. I, I don't know. So, so over the course of the next several weeks, I began planning how God was going to get this done and uh, how he was uh, going to fulfill my dreams and desires and, frankly, to rescue me from the crisis that was impending here in central Missouri. And uh, as I went out and Talbot School of Theology, sure enough, the, uh, the conversations around centered around, you know, uh, relational connections. And I asked my mentor, Don Sanukian, uh, that night if he could stay for a moment after, and we would just converse. And I was kind of looking, I just knew I could see where God was working. When he finally asked me that question, he said, you see yourself staying in Central Missouri. And I said, funny, you should ask. I thought about giving myself to the next generation in the ways in which, which you gave yourself to me and have continued to do so. And he said, I can totally see that. He said, in a few years, make that transition. He said, not even help. And my blood ran cold. My spirit was frozen. And I don't even know what that means. Growing up in a practicing cessationist environment and attending a cessationist spirit isn't moving theology school. Of course, uh, I have been surprised many times by the Holy Spirit, but I have never quite encountered a soulish chill where the very words that I most wanted to hear were being spoken and it just fell flat. Strike one. The next morning, some of you will know the name Jack Hayford. He's the plenary speaker, and he's speaking as an 80-year-old about the uh, kind of charismatic expressions of the Spirit of God. He gets distracted by a story where he says, I was overwhelmed by the lust, he said, and I worked for the denominational office as a younger man. I'm thinking, where, where are we going with this? We're talking about homiletical preaching. He's all coming about his temptations as a young man. He says, it completely overwhelmed me, he said, and I pray to the Lord to remove it from me. He said, uh, finally one day, he said, I could tell you where I was, turning the corner, when it left me, it was a deceiving spirit. I'm not in the habit of naming my spirits, but back quickly, the Spirit of God said to me, that's what you got me. He went on to say, I'll tell you two ways that you know one, too, he said. First one is, he said, it's always self-serving. Strike two. He's old enough that he never got around to point two, but I just that fast wrote I just wrote that fast that way. I just said number two. Play it out for eight or nine years. See yourself not there in year one and two, but in the eighth and ninth year. That night I sat with uh, Calvin Pearson. 
a TA when I was in seminary, but a longtime professor at Southwestern Baptist Seminary, and he sat next to me and I said to him, how's it going in teaching? He said, oh, I'm not teaching, I transitioned to the pastor. I said, you transitioned to the pastor? You have a kidney. He said, oh, no, he said. He said, I made that transition this year. I said, tell me why. He said, all right, he said, you know. And they began to describe some of the complexities of living a seminary faculty life. I know I'm in a location where you know some of the complexities of living, what it means to be in an academic setting, but basically he was saying to me, hey, don't suppose that the grass is greener on the other side, strike three. I was walking with my wife in downtown Disney that night in Southern California, and you can imagine her delight when I said to her, you wouldn't believe the three things that happened over the last 24 hours. I don't think God's in this transition and she said, I told you. <laughs> Grab a backpack trying to do the works of God. I wonder what it is that I've got in my hands. I've wondered how I'm going to get this done. How is it we can do it? And then all of a sudden you feel like you're in a free fall. And what you thought you had, you don't have. Even the whole area of complex. Preaching itself is, is a mystery to me. When Dr. McMullen called me and picked up the phone from Steve and said, What you do? Uh, faculty would like to invite you to do our lecture series. Uh, you know, of course, I was uh, quite professional, but I just wanted to sort of like, uh, You talking to me? I mean, because uh, in my desire to be a smart guy in the room and to do my best to an uh, area that I'm interested in, I couldn't help but reflect about my own homiletical story. I wanted to major in music education at a Christian University, and I got to the end of my first year after having taken multiple, multiple classes and paid money in order to uh, major in, uh, in, in education and minor in music. I had paid a lot of money just to take private lessons when I had to sing in front of music faculty, and Mrs. Brown walked into the hallway and looked at me, and she said, they love you, they like you very much, they think you're delightful as a person, but the answer is no. And I went back to my dorm room and cried my eyes out and wondered, what am I going to do now? Over the course of summer, it occurred to me, or should I say, the grace of God, the promptings, the leadings, I had a thought that made sense. And that thought was, I think I'll take a professor instead of a course. And there was a guy who would speak in our seminary, in our uh, college chapel, and when he spoke, um, he was what I would now call clear and relevant. And I signed up for the class with Dennis Michelson and took a class that I had never heard of, that I knew of. And that was, of course, entitled Tom Lettuce. I was a very average student. Very average. It's the first course I ever took that came easy for me. It's the first thing that ever the principles made sense. I became quite uh, excited about my studies, finished a uh, Christian ministries degree with an emphasis in Christian education, Bible, and then took all the communication and speech and preaching classes that were possible, and then went on to my seminary studies, where now I had the opportunity to invest even more in homiletics, took it quite serious, and, and at the seminary that I attended, they always had a senior preaching week, and so the last week, 
They would have four of the finalists to get the Harry A. Ironside Award would be able to preach in the seminary chapel. So the finest of the 400 graduating seniors all preached their senior sermon. At the end of that time, 15 would be uh, considered by the pastoral ministries department and the preaching props, and four of them would speak, and one of them would get the award. I started in August. I can still tell you that today, Psalm 78, 72, David shepherded them with the uh, integrity of heart and the skillful hands he led them. And I laid it out. I had it well manuscripted by about December. And I then gave the sermon in March. I was delighted when I was chosen as one of the finalists of the 15 to be reviewed by the pastoral ministry department. And it wasn't a problem that I wasn't one of the finalists of four, except that my, my closest friend who lived across the apartment whom, with whom we spent a lot was chosen as one of the four, Tim Wallace. It wasn't a problem, really, that Tim Wallace got chosen not only as one of the finalists to find four to preach a senior sermon, but when he was chosen as the Harry A. Ironside Award winner, it was a bit problematic. That verse really came real for me about how to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because it's a lot easier to weep with those who weep. <laughs> I haven't told you yet why it was so problematic for Tim to get it. It's because I started preparing in August and he started on Monday and preached it on Thursday. And I wondered if I hadn't, hadn't grabbed a backpack instead of the parachute. Over the course of this past year, in conversations that I've had privately with some of you, and you're welcome to ask them, but just to put it in time-respective ways, I got a snot knocked out of me. I mean, life comes along, and you think you're a smart guy in the room. You think you're living a life of integrity, and circumstances and variables, and your own traumas from your own past put you in survival states. Are you feeling me? And you find yourself deeply humbled by life, and you just are flat on your back looking up. You're thinking, I grabbed, I grabbed the backpack instead of the parachute. And what comes to mind is John chapter 6. When the disciples had seen the work, that Jesus had performed. They had watched him walk on water, they had experienced his feeding of the 5,000, they had followed him and known of his healings, and they said, Lord, we want to do the work of ministry too, we want to do what you do. Tell us how to do it. And Jesus said, what they asked in the plural, he responded in the singular. Here's the work. No, we, we ask, how do you do the works? I want to I be involved in the activities of ministry. I want to know how to preach well. I want to know how to do the Christian formation process well. I want to 
repair my skills, I can do my family life well, how do you maintain a church budget, how do you work as it relates to all the intricacies of doing a funeral and, and being sensitive to the family and navigating the medical community as a clergyman and how can I interact with the uh, Chamber of Commerce, the, the government uh, officials and be missional in our world and what are the best practices of, of missionary work and service and cooperative. And Jesus said, here's the work. Now he said, what are the works? And he said, here's the work. I wish I had a fire level so of awareness of this. I wish it hadn't taken a snot that knocked out of me to just raise my antenna about this reality. What is the work? Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that God has sent. Trust me, Jesus says. Walk with me, Jesus says. The surprise, of course, as you know, is not that I wanted to jettison my responsibilities in Central Missouri and wanted out of the navigating the mess that was happening in 2013. There's no surprise in that. The surprise is in the grace of God to give me the leadings of His Spirit for Jesus to let my blood run cold. The surprise is, is that in the mysteries of God, a guy who finds himself quite average gets the privilege of ministering in a chapel like this, lecturing from Chigger Creek, Missouri, in Canada. My life has far exceeded my expectations, and most of those who knew me. What do I count to? What will I count my future life to? To the works of ministry? Sure, we work hard. We try to develop our skills. It's really about believing in Jesus. Walking with Him as best we can. So, obviously, when I said to Steve, hey, if Renee can't make it, I'll preach. I went back up to my room last night and having asked him well, how long do I have, and he said, well, about 25 minutes. And I began to think through my list of stump speeches and sermons I could give that would meet all the criteria of what I've been talking about, things like moves, for instance, and asking the right kinds of questions, but none of them were fitting into the time frame. So then I had that, uh, that other reminder about just why don't you ask Jesus what you should talk about. And I wasn't quite happy with that answer, so I kept wrestling with it. And I thought, well, even if I'm going to do that, how am I, you know, how am I going to get like things that things that matter in there, like you know, got to be respectful of time and what what the moves exactly. So I struggled with that, and it was getting to be about 11:30, and I hadn't yet talked to my wife, and just getting home. And I thought, well, I need a pithy big idea. Okay, I can think I can, I can get the moves, but what if I could just model for them? A really pithy, memorable, big idea. So, I'll tell you what I wrestled with. I want to say, um, Jesus corrects, and Jesus directs, and He indeed is the architect. Now that's not bad, is it? It's got, it's got potential, doesn't it, John? 
But then I think the, the container of that didn't quite flow. Jesus corrects and directs. He is indeed the architect. I started working with the world that, and so I thought, well, I am correct, and I'm incorrect, and I'm, 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 I'm too often full of intellect, but he interjects. That's not bad. And then, and then uh, he makes me introspect, and in effect, he is the architect. When, I don't know. But that was what I was thinking. And then I kind of sort of got really excited for a little bit, like, and he'll resurrect. <laughs> and, then, and then I thought, well, there's something about the parachute. Like, like what, what rhymes with parachute? And I didn't think I know what that <laughs> I grabbed Jesus, the parachute, instead of the backpack, intellect or something. But didn't go anywhere. So, uh, so then I needed a compelling uh, conclusion, like a dead dog story is what I call them, where you talk about you know, your dog and you love and, and rescue you from a bear and die. I've got to have one of those at the end. I wouldn't do anything with that. So, so I thought, well, and now, you know, we've got time constraints. Let's see. So, yeah. We've got to wrap it up. Sure not. Got time constraints. Well, I'll just go back, I thought, to the to the story that I started with. And so here's here's what I wrote this morning. And that is that, that in ever-increasing ways, in my attempts to do the ministry that is faithful to God. I'm hoping that you will hear someone say of me, the plane is going down, and the smartest guy in the universe, Jesus, just grabbed Rob as he jumped, and Rob held on. Would you pray with me? We believe in Jesus. Power, resurrection, power to pray. Amen.